Ouija board and fly to Wisconsin, record us having a fucking seance to summon Brian's ghost so I can throttle him. You'll see why when we get to the next thing I'm angry about. Why Wisconsin? What? Why Wisconsin? I forgot where you lived. <laughs> you got the W part right, at least. Um, yeah. Give Wyoming. I don't know why my brain was like, Wisconsin! I always think you live in Wisconsin for some <laughs> no. reason. You got the y, the W part right. Sand takes out the two mad ermines and a score of the horde rats. Unfortunately... So then it, it, what? The next thing I'm mad about. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not see all of my shit here? We, we'll get to it. Hang on a second. Okay. Unfortunately, Mariel, Dandon, and Meldrum haven't gotten away cleanly either. The two mice are stuck up to the necks and Meldrum to his waist. All they can do is hurl insults as they are captured and bound tightly. But their trick had worked. Serena and the otters had managed to escape. Okay, go ahead and yell because I agree with you about this. Go ahead and yell. All of that fucking build up to these dirge callers and they're dead within a chapter. This isn't the, the first time he's done this either. He did the same it's thing. It's not with the first the, time he's done this. Yeah. He did the and same thing in um actually he did the same thing in the first book with that like the the water rat the yeah that big fucking thing yeah the gloomer the gloomer like literally showed up had one chapter be terrifying and then got eaten by a pike yeah he does this it is a fucking waste it is a waste of some extremely good deadly creatures i absolutely hate it when authors do this shit like ergen negru is totally fine as a villain but Imagine if the book's villains had been these two mad ermines. Like, this is the same issue that I have with Boku no Hero Academia and how Horikoshi handled Overhaul, which I'm not going to fully get into that, but basically the gist of it is he, he, he didn't know what to do with Overhaul. He said that and was just like, all right, I'm just going to um kill him, I guess. I I, ha- like, I stopped reading like I stopped reading uh, Boku no Hero Academia like after like the test arc or whatever or wherever they revealed that somebody you're could... valid. And it was just you're like valid. The misogyny yeah. in that book is so bad. The misogyny in that series is so bad. Like the other severe issues the manga has are notwithstanding to this particular opinion. Boku no Hero Academia is not good. It it has it has bits that I think are good, and Overhaul was one of those bits because he was such a fascinating villain. These two Ermines are fascinating to me. I want them to be like like again. I am now just fully on the boat of they're lesbians. They're lesbians who enjoy doing a murder, and it's it's instead of getting that we get this. Instead of getting anything cool, having them be long-term, we get, oh, they got squished by sand, they they suffocated, they got crushed, they're dead, goodbye, no more of this, because Brian was like, I'm gonna introduce something exceptionally deadly in the beginning of the book. Oops, I introduced something exceptionally deadly in the beginning of the book, I have to kill it immediately. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> Overhaul happens in, like, the first third of Boku no Hero Academia. Like, the first third. So many more things have happened since then. Because he couldn't handle having this exceptionally deadly villain on top of the other exceptionally deadly villain who is actually the big bad, like, endgame dude. <sighs> Authors, get your shit together. Half gently. If you're gonna give us I'm taking you gently by the shoulders, and I'm looking you dead in the eyes, and I don't make eye contact, so you know this is serious. I'm looking dead in the fucking eyes. If you're going to introduce incredibly interesting, fascinating, deadly villains, you better know what you're fucking doing with them. And if you kill them off, I'm mad at you. Like, I mean, okay, if you kill them off, like, and they had a good arc, that's one thing. Like, Darth Vader had a good arc. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you just, like, uh, I introduced them a chapter ago, oop, bip, they're dead now. But yeah. the fucking motherfucker! Also, like, I haven't been watching Ahsoka, but I did catch, like, the end of the last episode because I came home from work. And it's just like, oh, cool, space whales! And all of a sudden it's like, wait, hold on. Oh, no, it's Ahsoka and it's Clone Wars Anakin. Oh, no, oh, no, I'm having emotions. Oh, no, they're doing the thing with his eyes again. Damn it, it gets me every time. Ah! <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like that's the one thing I do love about like the Disney Plus series. There, it's allowing them to further build upon these characters that the movies couldn't do because of runtime. So it's just that like George Lucas also wouldn't because the man doesn't think that far ahead. Exactly. So it's like we're getting like more of that internal like buildup that justifies what happens to him, like showing more of like he did have that darkness before. But also, like, you can't blame I him. I still love that Tumblr post that's just, like, if only they had a good OBGYN. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how much could have been avoided if they'd had a good OBGYN. Right. Although, okay, so I have, I have heard it said, though, that apparently somewhere in one of the books once, in one of the novels before Disney went in and, like, booted all the novels to the side to start their own canon. Because they um, fucking suck. Right. Um, apparently that... Like, the the place they took her to, because, like, it was the closest place they could get, the droids didn't really know much about human anatomy, or they weren't- That makes sense. Humans are actually relatively rare in Star Wars. Right. Um, so they were just like, well, okay, it's giving- If you don't to... count the clones as human. Right. Well, mm, mm. We're not getting into that conversation. We've got, like, we've got, we'll like- here for three hours. We've got, like, three whole animated series about that. Anyway, let's not get on a Star Wars <laughs> tangent, damn it. We can't do that today. Okay. Full night has settled over the coastline. The four shrewboats slip along the coast with their crews. Rosie almost lets out a guffaw, but her mouth is soundly slammed shut by Joseph. And it's like, Brian, if you put another hair that I liked through Flan, if you pull a Basil on this one, you know, like the character assassination he did to Basil in the sequel, yep. don't do that to Rosie. And like, in Rosie's defense, she has had four years and 12 children to relax some of her military training but she also went through a deeply traumatizing event and spent more time as a military hare than as a yeah. mom. And it, it's been shown in the previous book with her that she can keep it together in a tense situation, which is the result of decades of training and not something that she would forego easily, especially because she and Tarkin, Tarquin and their children all live not in Redwall. They don't live within the safe confines of the wall, so she is probably still the defender of their space. Mm hmm Unless Tarkin wants to so go at somebody with a loot, but, you know. <laughs> no, he's a uh, Harolina. Harolina loot, musical instrument played by a hair bard. <laughs> so, like, it doesn't make sense that she would be like this. This is absolutely Brian pulling some level of flanderization. Like, oh, when a woman has children, all of a sudden she stops being sensible. Yeah. Or she's had enough time to relax that she's just laughable. More laughing now. Literally laughable. Bup, 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 bup. I don't know. You don't get over the trauma of war that easily. You don't. Like, not with, especially not within four years and there's no therapist. Yeah, there are no therapists, therapists in Redwall. or medication or... There's not even a proper, like, holy figure to pray to unless you pray to Martin. <laughs> Martin over here taking the role of, uh, um... Tup, 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 tup. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, um you know, Mother Mary. I mean, to be fair, I am that is. Yeah, that's true. Matthias, the yeah. Father, the Son, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, Ghost. Yeah. Like, the I am that is is pretty blatant. That's just Jesus. No, I, well, no, that's the burning bush. That's literally just God. Because, like... Again, though, it's also, like, it's just... The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are all the same thing, but they're all so different because the Bible makes sense. Well, I mean, uh, you know, like the easy description that a lot of people use, it's one reason that a three-leaf clover is such a common Christian uh, image. Because a three-leaf clover has three petals, or three leaves, and each leaf is its yeah. individual leaf, but they are all connected to the same stem. So they are individual, but they are connected. At the base, at the root, you know, like at the root of their being, they are the same being. Yeah. You know. So. Um, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Roof and Formal are both miserable. Dury, ever the brave chap, does his best to keep their spirits up. They pass over one more large breaker and Logalog warns his crew. They're out in the ocean for real now. Like, I love it. He says, like, they're in blue water. Yeah. Because it's true. They are in blue water. Because mm -hmm. the water of, like, a river or a stream isn't typically blue-like the same way that the ocean turns out to be. Mm -hmm. 
it, it can be like browns or like you can see the bottom and so it's clear or you know like a, a lot light, of times rivers end up being green a light soft blue at the most but like the ocean blue is like a thing deeply different yeah this is such a deeply different color because like if you listeners because kit i know you've done this but listeners if you have never googled a river like a, a river delta like looked at images of a river meeting the ocean there is a stark difference between the river and the ocean oh it's you fascinating see it it is so cool the way that the color shifts river deltas are so pretty especially if you're driving through one at sunset I'm never They're gonna so that. pretty and they smell so bad. <laughs> oh, you gotta love that silk, baby. Um, you gotta love the brackish water smell. So Delicious. Speaking of brackish and smelling bad, Slip is the only one on shore at the moment. He lost an argument with his brother, Strap, on whether they should sail north or south. Strap had beguiled their crew with tales of the easy pickings in the south. So they are partying it up aboard the Shalu. I keep wanting to spell it. The shallot. I almost keep calling it blue. It's the bare necessity. Alright, copyright strike. <laughs> the thing is, the difference between strap and slip is that strap is smaller than slip. Slip is big. Yeah. Slip is like buff. He he is the bronze of the two. And strap is the, the brains. Mm-hmm. He's smaller, but he has a much quicker tongue. And is able to weave his arguments. Like, his arguments make sense. This is the same argument that Nagru had with them going south. Yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. But, you know, Slip wants to have, be be the one in charge because of reasons. He wants to be the boss. He, he wants to be the boss. It doesn't really make sense to me. But okay, I guess. Slip comforts himself that tomorrow he'd pick a real fight with his brother and win that way. Basically using his brawn to beat yeah. up his smarter brother. And I mean, because like his brother can't win in a full on fight. Mm-hmm. And I made like the red Oni blue Oni joke, but it's like, no, this is definitely like brains versus brawn more. So yeah. So Logalog catches on that things aren't right when all he sees on the shore is one small fire. Finbar isn't bothered, though. The noise of the party on the shalu will cover the sounds of the hammer and chisel as they scuttle her. So the two slip into the water to start their work. Joseph takes his contingent and goes to steal the Pearl Queen back. Rosie manages to clock the one watch rat out cold, but he tumbles into the hold and alerts the other five who'd been left to watch the Pearl Queen. And this this rat is, um, what's it? Bl- bl- Bluggert? Bluggert? Bluggets? Blaggett. Blaggett. Um, Blaggett. He and and the, all of all of the all of the the praise we had for rodent like vermin names out the window. Yeah, because we, we we get back to the stereotypical ones on this. Dury gets knocked out almost right away and is saved by a fiercely growling roof who knocks a rat overboard via swinging on a rope. He manages to also take out two more by complete accident. The second with his bum. And the third by landing on it as he drops from the rope. <laughs> He's the fortunate fool. It's very fun. I love it. It's a very fun trope. Brian always uses this trope well, I think. Yeah, like, this is this is what, like, since we're on Star Wars, anyway, this is what Jar Jar Binks was supposed to be. And honestly, I think still, I like, now that I'm older, I do like Jar Jar Binks. Um because I appreciate I always work. liked Jar Jar Binks is the thing. Yeah. He was always my favorite character. The fandom didn't deserve him. Anyway. The people were just mean. They were. I'm so glad the actor Because got to they come didn't back. like earnest being earnest about something is cringe. Mm-hmm. Having comedy like, in my cool space opera is too No, that's not cool. You can't have it in my spot, Brad. It's like shut the fuck up. <laughs> The two- Be cringe! Let yourself be cringe! Be free! The remaining two rats wisely decide to dive overboard. (laughs) Joseph gets to the foredeck, and when Rosie asks why he looks worried, he says their ruckus must have been noticed by the Shalu. The rats are swarming, and Logalog and Finbar are being shot at with arrows, stones, and spears. 
Joseph gives the orders, send out ropes to help the two, distract the rats with their own arrows and stones, and get ready to sail. Logalog is knocked out by a slung stone, rescued by Finbar, and the two make it back to the Pearl Queen with Rosie and the others' help. Once on board, they get her turned around and out to sea. Okay, Izzy, go ahead. So the reason that I sent Kit on Discord the whole thing about <laughs> buying a Ouija board, flying out to Wyoming, recording us having a seance to summon Brian's ghost so that I can throttle him, is... Why the fuck <laughs> did they cut the anchor? <laughs> they can't stop if you cut the anchor. <laughs> They can't stop. If they want to stop, they have to run the ship aground. <laughs> That's probably... You can't... There's no... The ships only have, like, one anchor. I would hazard that his thought is, is that they need to get out of there. That is the most important thing. And that... How are they going to stop? He probably was going to plan to run her aground so he could do repairs. Of course, she... No, they didn't. We know that they didn't. <laughs> well, we know that, but he doesn't know what's going to happen in a few pages. Yes, he does. How can he know a rock is going to be in the way? Fair. Brian knew. Brian knew, but that's Brian. Ah! Anyway... Sorry, I just had to get mad about that. That's very fair, because I thought that too. Like, well, that was stupid. Now you're just, okay. You're literally anchorless. Okay. Slip was already headed for the Pearl Queen when she took off and instead turns to swim to the Shaloo. His brother's strap is quick to betray him, pulling the same betrayal that Slip had been planning to use on him. He'd give the Shaloo to Rapsnout, another rat, and take the Pearl Queen for his own. Slip is left to flounder in the water as the Shalou sails away from him. There's a lot of rats in this book. Like, Brian decided to not have a lot of other vermin in this book, it seems like. We've had a few little weasels. We've had the ermines. We've got the foxes. But for the most part, it's just been like, rats are the cannon fodder of this book. I mean, that's kind of how it gets the further in we go. Rats just kind of become the cannon fodder. Yeah. Um, also... Creamy sure is a word that Brian keeps using about the ocean. God, I want... Creamy sure is a word that he keeps using. I want some... And I'm like, Brian, sir, did you want to fuck the ocean? <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, anybody who's ever been a sailor at some point wants to fuck the ocean. <laughs> I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. On the Pearl Queen, Logalog is revived and supply. Uh, yeah, on the Pearl Queen, Logalog is revived and supply checks are done. Rosie is dismayed to discover seaweed grog. Joseph doesn't mind it. The stuff is good fire starter. Food is doled out, and like everyone takes turns eating so they can do their work and so on. Um, let's see. Finbar tells them they're sailing southwest. The others say they want to go south, and he says they will, soon as they find the Roaring Burn. It's a strong current, and it'll carry them like the wind. Which they'd better find fast, because the Shaloo is bearing down fast on them. Don finds Slip back on shore, dazed, confused, and dispirited. His spirits lift when he sees Blaggett, the rat knocked cold by Rosie the previous night, paddling a shrew boat. The rat is only too happy to leap ashore to greet his captain. His loyalty is repaid with a beating from Slip. And like, Slip's just like, oh, you, you think, you, you know, like you're so stupid. How could you do this? You know, what were you thinking? What were you doing? Like, why should I have left you in control of my ship? You know, anyway. I'm making a face at the non-existent camera. Yeah. It's not good. Colon backslash. It's not good. Um. Because he's like running to his captain, open arms to give him a hug, and Slip just fucking beats the shit out of him. It's not good. Um. Blackett manages. Blackett just wants to have a nice time. Just wants to see his captain. He just wants to not be, you know. He's gay. gay. 
No, they aren't all. Yes. No. Yes. No. Explain the next no. bit then. Blackett manages to soothe Slip somewhat by pointing out the freshwater stream a bit a ways. <laughs> he leads him there, and Slip decides to follow it upstream, right into Mossflower. And it's like, ah, there it is. I was wondering what would a would show up to imperil the Abbey. But also, like, I, I really, I'm sad that Slip is only thinking about violence because Blaggett's just like, there's a stream here, there's probably fruit, I, I could go fishing, we could settle down here, you know, be all domestic and shit. And his captain is like, just smacks him and is like, no, idiot. We need treasure for some reason, even though there's no place to spend that treasure or use it for anything. I guess. Except to have. Except- We've got to conquer and colonialism and bullshit. Yeah. We have to do a colonialism, Blaggett. <laughs> Fuck you. Blaggett's just like, but I want to be domestic. <laughs> oh my god. It's- I love you, Captain. It's, it's literally the, the, the Governor Radcliffe and um, his little queer assistant. Yep. That poor fellow deserved so much better. He was so good. He did. And he came so highly recommended. <laughs> Listen, I'm so mad that I can't like Pocahontas anymore because I'm aware of how bullshit it is. There's so much, so many good parts to that movie that are just ruined because it's like, oh, we're just completely lying about history now. Okay. Um, in the dungeons of the stolen castle, Dandin is first to awaken. He hears two rats leave to report. Mariel wakes up not long after, begging for water. Uh, hydration check, everyone. Take a drink. Sippy's my soda. He has to apologize to her. There's none to be found in their cell. Dandon worries about the still Meldrum until he hears the hare quietly mumbling about funerals and passing out his belongings to his leverets. It's like, this is like a really sad, but really cute, like not cute, but endearing moment. Like this actively is making me like Meldrum. I was on the fence about him before, but I'm liking him a lot at this moment. Because he's talking about like giving away his fishing pole, like making sure this one other one gets like these specific medals kind of a thing. One of them gets like one of his his field coats Mm -hmm. or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's really, really cute. It's also extremely sad. Mm-hmm. He hears someone coming and orders the two mice to lay down and pretend to still be asleep. It's Nagru and Silvermord who do their usual sniping at each other as they inspect the prisoners. Mary- Silvermord, like, they're obviously still out and, and Nagru is like, mm, kick. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sure, you say so, lady. Um... Like, Mariel is quick to drop the ruse. She's just like, nope, no way, sir. And she flares up. I will see your face in hell. Yeah. <laughs> she goes full Martin. She she is, she is, Dandon may be the wielder of the sword, but Mariel is the spirit of Martin. 100%. Um, he questions them, asking where Serena and the others had gone. All he gets for his answer, oh, sorry. Yeah, all he gets for answers is defiance. Silvermord is all for slaying them then and there, but Nagru holds she her back. She's spitting mad. Literally. <laughs> and she's got, like, her sword out. She's just like, come on, let me do it, let me do it. I'll get him talking, I'll get him talking right now! Can I do a little <laughs> torture is like, as a treat? I can have a little torture as a treat? Treat for me? And Nagru is like, no. Woman! <laughs> Telling the trio they'd better answer his questions. He uses his mate to threaten torture, even offering to have them join his horde. He's like, you guys are good warriors. Like, it'd be a waste to kill you're you. smart. You know, you're just gonna rot in here. And they're like, fuck you. Uh, yeah, because all three lay back down, playing it casual. Like, they're like, yeah, can we just go back to having our nap now? At first, Nagru is able to hold his temper has his mate restrained and removed from the cell before she can enact the torture she wants and makes a few more dire threats. Like she's literally starting to foam at the mouth. She's so ready to go at them. They are at his mercy here. Food, water, he controls it all. Soon they'll betray each other for a simple drink. Meldrum scolds him mightily in his own prideful way, finally getting Nagaru to slam the door shut. He yells through the spy hole that bravado won't feed them and stupidity will only kill them. 
Once he's good and gone, the trio again takes stock of where they are. Meldrum knows they're at the back of the castle, the side facing the cliff, and reckons they must be at least three stories up facing northward. Because, like, they're in the northern wing, he says. Mm-hmm. Dandon wishes he were a bird about then. Meldrum agreeing while adding he wishes he were anything but himself at the moment. I wish I were a bird. Um, God, you're such a nerd. Listen, I'm so happy that's coming back around. Azamunga Dio deserves all the love in the world. Mariel inspects her injured back, saying that they really had nowhere to go but up from there. Meldrum counters her and does give good sound advice. Right now, all they can do is sleep. As battered and as tired as they are, they quickly do fall back asleep. And I'm really grateful we're starting to see, like, this side of the hairs again. Like, the side that actually has some sense to them. Uh, some intelligence and, uh, like, the ability to show, like, why they are so good at battle. Aside from, like, being quick and strong. Like, when they actually slow down and think... It reminds you that they are actually military veterans mm-hmm. and not just great fucking windbags. Mm-hmm. Ferp, Iris, and Boli, along with a few others, inspect the aftermath. They find the trio's weapons in the sand, and the adults keep it secret from Boli, but they know if they can't find their bodies, they've been taken prisoners by the fox wolf. A fate as certain as death, and possibly worse than back with the ships. On the ocean, Finbar is giving orders to put on more sail. He's certain the Pearl Queen, his beloved ship, can outrun anything in the ocean. That's because he knows how to run his own ship. Mm -hmm. With the implication being that the rats don't know how to run a ship, which we get to see that, and we've seen it in past books, but it also doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Considering most of them are sea rats who have spent most of their life on a boat. You would think they'd know what they were doing, but apparently not. They can't apparently be too intelligent. Apparently they don't know what the... F- God. If they were too oh, intelligent. Anybody who who steals and lies and cheats can't be intelligent. Mm-hmm. And if they are, well, obviously they're prideful <laughs> and that will be their fall. Mm-hmm. And it, people only do bad things for bad reasons and no, no other reason ever, ever. <laughs> I'm very tired of this. That's what, what are you eating? Where there's... You're eating a caramel in the middle of our recording? We're almost done! It's a hard candy! We're almost done! It's a hard candy. If I stick it in my cheek, you can't tell I'm eating it. (laughs) Leave me alone with my old man candy! (laughs) Roof. (laughs) Roof and Dury follow orders, still roaring like mad. In between their flurry of activity... They try and comfort a very seasick formal. On the shalu, Strap gives his orders. With double his usual crew, he's sure they'll catch up. He gives Rapsnout orders to prepare anchors and hooks. Archers and hooks. Archers and hooks. Anchors and hooks. Anchors and hooks. Once close enough, they can pick them all off. Rapsnout thinks it's a very good day. Soon he'll be captain of his own ship and they'll have more plunder as well. It's like, What do they think they're going to steal off the shrews? Like, do they think they brought, like, gold and silver with them to steal a boat? (laughs) I don't know. I guess they could be stealing their weapons, but they've already got loads of weapons. Anyway. Uh, Okay, actually. So, plunder can be many things. One of those things being slaves. That's true. Very true. So, Finbar gets his ship moving at a proper clip with the proper placement of sails. Joseph joins him in time for Finbar to show him a truly awe-inspiring and terrifying sight. A whirlpool so massive, it seems like a hole in the sea. The green maelstrom. God, I fucking love whirlpools. They're sick as shit, man. It is indeed a whirlpool that shows the edge of the roaring burn. So they have to go near it anyway. 
He says not to worry. He will get the Pearl Queen into the current no problem. It's the Shalu who's doomed to fall into the whirlpool. Joseph is aghast at the thought of so much life lost. Uh, not like you helped take down an entire fortress of vermin previously, Joseph. Yep. Including a few yep. ships where you just murdered and murked the rats on those ships too. Obviously, Kit, that was different. Sarcasm. Finbar had no mercy for them. They had slain his whole crew, family and all. And Joseph will follow his, his wife and both of his sons. Yeah. He's alone now. Like, he's lost everything. Except mm -hmm. his boat. And Joseph will follow his orders or they will all die. Like, he's not having it. He's just like, there. He's like there is no mercy for creatures like this who have obviously chosen their path in life. The sea rats spot the whirlpool soon enough. They beg and plead to turn around and abandon the Pearl Queen, but Strap refuses to give up the chase. He feels that luck is with him, so he keeps to it. Like, he thinks, like, I've, I've tricked my brother, I've got double the crew, I can do this. And, of course, the ever-present greed that the vermin have. Mm-hmm. Little sippy. Um... Sippy, 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 sippy. The Pearl Queen crew is just as terrified. Ruth and Dury are on the edge of hysteria, and poor Formal is hypnotized by the impossibly swirling mass of water. I'm just like, blast Pirates of the Caribbean 3 music. I, I just love how Formal sees the whirlpool as a hole dug by a sea beast. Like, that is such a cool idea. It is. <laughs> Something you can play and with like, on the top. <laughs> you can hear the gears <laughs> so but I'm the simple creature Finbar is confident he knows what to do and when to do it just as the Shalu gets within arrow distance Finbar has the others leap into action in the rigging the boys wonder aloud what all he's doing Joseph says it's not their job to know only follow orders. This has similar vibes to the otters taking everyone over those falls in Salamandastron. And like, and then at the end, they're like, that's the first time we've done this. Yeah. This is, oh, well, I mean, I think it's implied that this isn't his first time doing this, though. Um, but it has the same vibe, though. It does, um, because they, they are confident enough to pull it off. And um, it's funny because, like, again, I was re-listening to... Um, as always, it's like once every four months or so, I seem to re-listen to the Dragon Riders series just because my brain needs something to clock out to. Um, mm -hmm. And in like the later books, like they meet this super intelligent AI who's just like, hey, I'm going to tell you how to get this planet to not be a problem for you guys anymore. And like throughout several parts of the book, they're like, we don't understand what we're doing. And he goes, you don't need to know what you're doing. You can understand later. You just need to be my hands right now, basically. Like, he tells them, like, it doesn't matter if you understand what you're doing. Please just do what I tell you to because this will work. And it's, it's, it's having that faith in someone who knows more than you and following through with their orders that can lead to survival and victory. It's, it's also a very Christian thing, having that faith that you don't always understand why you're doing a thing but having the faith that you're doing it for a good outcome. And doing those orders, following them, pays off. Just as the Shalu manages to get six hooks into the Pearl Queen, she shoots off in another direction. Finbar and Logalog cut the ropes, and the Shalu is condemned to the depths of the whirlpool. Just... Finbar doesn't let them pity the rats, making them focus on getting into the current. Like, the rats are just staring horror-struck as they realize they fucked up. Um, they succeed, and the Pearl Queen begins to move at a good clip. Until she runs smack-bang into a huge rock. It tears a hole in her, and she starts to take on water. The first book ends with Pearl Queen beginning to sink. God, the clip 
like uh that the end of this chapter goes really makes you feel the frantic energy of the crews of both ships. It's good. This last chapter and is it, good. Like the way that like Kit was reading it, like you don't quite get the same vibe for how quick all of this happens. Yeah. Like it goes and like it it gets to oh the Shalu is just gone. Yeah, hang on. Oh, the Pearl Queen hit a rock! (laughs) With a groaning of timber and a creaking of rigging, the Pearl Queen turned sideways. Finbar drew both the swords from their back scabbards, tossing one to Logalog. Both creatures sprang to the rail, shearing the taut grappling lines with single strokes of the finely honed swords. Durian Roof stared wordlessly as the Shalu shot by them, her decks crowded with silent sea rats numbed with shock as their ship caught the spinning edge of the green maelstrom. Halfway around the whirlpool, it spun, hanging a split second in midair with its entire keel visible. Then it tipped headfirst into the dark abyss. The shalou was gone into the depths, never to be seen again by living eyes. A gasp of horror arose from the crew of the Pearl Queen. The Finbar was in the midst of them, shouting, Save your pity for the ones they murdered! They've gone with all sea rats should go, mates. Stand by. We ain't safe yet by a long chalk. Pearl Queen traveled sideways around the far outer rim of the whirlpool, seemingly helpless, until they jumped to obey Finn's next commands. Pile on sail again, crew! Slashing the rope that held the tiller, he centered it and held it level with Logalog and Rosie's help. When she saw what was happening, the Han Rosie's natural exuberance returned in full force. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo! I say, chaps, the jolly old ship's sailing straight again and going like the clappers. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Joseph looked behind him. The green maelstrom was rapidly disappearing in the distance as Pearl Queen rushed due south like a great eagle. He scrambled down from the rigging and ran to Finbar. Grasping the sea otter's paws in both of his own, the bellmaker shook it strongly. Roaring bird, you found it. We're sailing south. The whole crew gave a great cheer, and Finbar grinned crookedly as he turned to acknowledge the compliment. Boom! The sea otter was knocked flat on his tail as the vessel shuddered from stem to stern. He scrambled upright, shouting, What is it? What's happened? The shrew banda leaned over on the starboard rail. Look, we've just passed a rock striking up in the water. Sorry. Look, we've just passed a rock sticking up out of the water. We must have struck it. There was an instant flurry of activity. The crew scattered in all directions to inspect the vessel for damage. Finbar held the tiller, calling anxiously, Is everything ship shape? There was a chorus of eyes. Then Formal's head appeared from the forward rope locker. Zer, there's a great hole in ye shipper ear. Hur, ye water be pouring in. I'm afraid us is sinking. And that's the end. <laughs> it goes that is that is two pages yep. there's two pages of book it goes so fast mm-hmm. it's so good it Brian, goes it goes once he gets into it as much as i want to re I, as much as i want to kill this dead man <laughs> sometimes he is a good author he knows how to write action as much as but also ah <laughs> Our questions. questions. And actually, let's get to the one on Discord right away so I don't forget it. Um, yeah, I've already... I, I, It's in here. I copied did it. And oh, okay, it. never mind. We're good then. Let's go through with our regular then. I'm smart. I know what I'm you doing. are. Thank you. You're welcome. Favorite weird bud in this book? Bud. Favorite weird bud. Favorite weird food in this book. Wasn't there like apple scones mentioned? Apple scones mentioned. I don't remember. I want them. I want the apple scones. I like I like anything apple and cinnamon. Give it to me. Shoves it in my mouth. <laughs> Same. Uh, was there... An- I can't think of anything. I, I think there was like the shrimp stuff that they ate. True. That was good. I just like shrimp. <laughs> it's almost, it's, I'm easy. It's almost like you're from an area where seafood and shrimp is very popular. Yeah, right? <laughs> Was there an animal that appeared that surprised you slash did any animals subvert expectations? So I didn't actually expect the dirge collars to be like two absolutely feral ermine. Yeah, I thought they'd be like another like hybrid all. or something or. I thought it was going to be. So you remember how uh, uh, 
What's his face? Hold on. Hold on. I can get this. I've got the friend and foe book. <laughs> well, I was thinking they might be another, like, canine, because you think of a dirge collar, you think of something that can howl. And I was thinking, what? Does he have, like, does he have, like, a, a like, a, I know they don't have coyotes in England, uh, like, a, a wolf puppy's kidnapped somehow? Like, what has he got that's, like, gonna howl or do a dirge call? What was it? It wasn't Bad Rang. Was it, it Gabu? Farago. Oh, yeah. Farago had, like, his, like, trusted people. Like, I thought it was going to be like that. Yeah, because, right? like, I wasn't thinking it was going to... When I read the first half, I thought it was going to be, like, a group of, like, sly, like, just, like, scary evil creatures. Like, so evil they're scary even to the other evil creatures. Yeah. So it's like I'm not... It's just interesting where he chose to go with that. Yeah, so so it was just like, ah, I wasn't expecting two absolutely feral ermine. Yeah. And then we get these two feral ermine, and then motherfucker was like, I'm gonna, excuse me, I'm just gonna kill them immediately. Ah! <laughs> what is your favorite part so far? That ending bit. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, there's that, and I, I kind of like the interaction in the cells. Like how they... Yeah, that's also really good. Yeah. Just, like, how they do their defiance. Okay. It's all good. And it's good all the way down. Here we get to a question from Super Skylake. Muta's, Thank you. Muta's characterization is pretty terrible. Do you think you would have been less repulsed if Muta had been able to talk, but had some sort of speech impediment? She does get to do some really cool stuff later in the book, but not being able to talk really sours all of it. And so I, my, I like mute characters when they're done well. Like, I mean, I'm a Legend of Zelda fan. Of course I like mute characters, you know? Yeah. Um, cause like, I, I'm a Portal fan. I'm a, I'm a Legend of Zelda yeah. fan. I, 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 I am a, a fucking. The original da Jack and Daxter before he became an the edgy. original Jack and Daxter. Before he became an edgy boy. Fucking. <laughs> mute, mute characters can be done well. And like. I wouldn't even say, like, I'm not repulsed by Muda's character. In fact, I like Muda's character a lot. I just feel She's that just... her name is a little too on the nose. And like Brian often does with characters who are described as slow. Like, this is the second time we've gotten a badger who is, like, people describe them as slow as stupid. But, like, all of the evidence is the opposite of that. You know, like, she's clearly yeah. very intelligent and capable. And I think having a, a speech impediment, I, I, technically she has a speech impediment. Yeah. Like, that's how that is. Like, because she, she's not mute in that, like, she can't make any noise. She can make noise. She can't speak words, like, with a, a voice. Mm -hmm. And, and so if she'd had, like, a speech impediment, like, if she stuttered or spoke really slowly or had, like, other things like I don't think that would have made this better. I think it would have made it worse, yeah, actually. Um, although Ben did bring up what if she knew sign language, which I think would have been cool as shit. Agreed. Although it makes me very curious how sign language would work in this world. Because like I'm sure there has to be like some form of sign language. We like they've they've done studies where like even cultures that didn't have like an official sign language language of sorts they come up with their own sign language you know for people who can't talk or hear you know it's it's a natural human mm -hmm. thing to do which you know since these are sentient creatures based off of humans they would probably come up with it as well like it's similar to the silent sam situation they should yeah. have a way to communicate other than just like talking or writing because you can't always write and writing takes a long time um i agree that the sign language would definitely have made it more like not relatable but like it would have given her more of her own character it would have allowed her to it would have made her feel more human yeah more of a person and less of like sentient bodyguard pet yeah which unfortunately she does very much feel like um she's written like the really smart guard dog almost which is more repulsive to me uh, which is definitely more of a problem yeah, exceptionally so honestly okay it's not good yeah it's dead hold on let me check tumblr and see if we got anything <laughs> ouch the answer is no, no! <laughs> okay 
We have to get better about posting this shit. <laughs> We're so bad at That's it. That's okay. We're doing this for fun. Alright. Anyway, uh, all the other questions are for later. Yep. So. So, time to do the outro. So, thank you for listening to Abbey Archives. We are grateful you lent us your ears, and we hope you enjoyed your time with us. This has been Kit. You can find me at Kitsy in a Box on Tumblr. Uh, Blue Sky, I've got one of those now, even though I'm still not sure how to use it. Because uh, I'm old and stubborn and busy and haven't had time to go doing all the thread stuff. Uh, and pretty much like any other socials that I'm actually active on, I'm Kitsy in a Box. Um, yeah, I make kits in day. And I take regular art commissions. In fact, I get to draw one of my regular commissioners. Like, she finally commissioned me to draw her Sona. So I'm just like, yeah, give me your Sona, grabby hands. Yeah. She was like, can you draw two kids today before me? I'm like, yes. And she's like, well, I was going to get my Sona done instead. I'm just like, shoves the kids in day inside. Give me the Sona. <laughs> give it to me. Let me draw. Give me. Give me. It's like it's like a blue-winged fox girl. Of course I'm going to have fun drawing her. Aww. She's a classic kids, uh, classic Sona design. Very classic, very stylish. And she still gets to keep her, like, dragon horns. So she's like, yeah, I'll draw your cool dragon fox girl. Yeah. Yeah. Gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> I have commissions I have to work on, but I can't talk about them because they're uh, not for... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I have been Izzy. Uh, you can find me on Tumblr at Lots of Deer. Uh, you can find the other podcasts I do pinned to my Tumblr. <laughs> I finally made a pinned post. <laughs> as well as the multitude of other things that I do. Um, if, uh, see, I didn't post the episodes like I wanted, like I was supposed to yeah. and wanted to because my brain is bad. So, uh, you definitely missed Smack Talk Showdown, but the VOD was posted on the Moonshot Network's, uh, uh, YouTube, so you should go watch it. It's very funny. I beat Jeff Stormer. I'm getting his left shoe. I didn't win, but I beat Jeff Stormer, and that's all that fucking counts. <laughs> Are you literally <laughs> getting his left shoe? Yes. Oh my god. We will do anything for the big kit. <laughs> we are going to keep this lore, this deep lore between our showdowns going. I'm getting this man's left shoe. <laughs> Alright, Stitch. <laughs> so, you can find us both at Abby Archives on Tumblr and Reddit. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, either via just five stars, which we would appreciate, or even four would be fine. Um, just give us just a give rating, us a give us like a, an actual text review, tell tell your friends about us, live blog about us. Like, I would love to see people just start like live blogging and adding us on Tumblr, like as they're listening and being like, what the fuck is up with this book? Or live blogging the books at us would actually be phenomenal. That would be delightful. It would be so delightful. I would love to see people start doing that. Like, I love reading what other people think about these books. And it would also give us more to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. And we'll also, like, shout you out if you start doing it. Because, you know, we enjoy talking about people who do the things that we find enjoyable. Yeah, we, we love promoting other people. Exactly. Okay. We'll we'll reblog your stuff to to our our tumble. Yeah, the Tumblr. Tumblr. Cuz it's fun. Burr, 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 burr. I just posted a drawing of a badger holding elderberries in its mouth there the other day. Your mother was a badger and your father smelt of elderberries. <laughs> yeah, this was done by Moth Sprout on Tumblr. And uh it's very good. And with that everyone, may your hearth be warm and your heart be merry. From us to you at Redwall Abbey. Bye. Bye. And hang on, I'm going to do it. Slinky noises. There's some ASMR. Okay, clap at the minute. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to I'm gonna give you. Wait, I got one more. I got one more. Wait. Wait. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I, have, I have three of these. <laughs> there you go. ASMR get, for you. I need to get like one of those little wooden frogs that does those. Okay. <laughs> those are cool. Okay.
clap at the, the 35, I guess. us on social media you can follow us on tumblr and reddit at abby archives and if you would like to help support this podcast you can find us on coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash hs enclave this podcast is part of hearthside enclave and some other shows you might like are hope's hearth a solar hope punk actual play podcast and post-apocalyptic news radio a fallout inspired audio drama